When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. FC Day Trippers, brought to you by bookmakers.com. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the midweek fix, which is well, it's not midweek, it's Monday. So um it's the midweek fix from the LFC Day Trippers. We were going to be doing a winners and losers tonight, but Phil had an absolute breakdown in a WhatsApp group this morning and started showing all sorts of stuff to me about Liverpool. And I said, Well, look, let's just talk about it at ten o'clock tonight. And he said, Okay. Phil, how are you? I haven't seen you in ages. Yeah, no, I was I was interested this morning. I've lost the interest as the day's gone on. Yeah. So, so I told you it was a Frank the Tank moment. It was like, hang on, I'm gonna start this all yeah. out. Right? It was like a, it was like an Eamon Dunphy moment, was it? Where you just lost the plot for like eleven minutes, and then it completely went out of your mind. But yeah. time lunchtime game, I have it all written down though. I have it. Yeah, all, yeah, I, yeah, I actually yeah. have it. Like I yeah. can read it word for word if you like, or just shorten it for you a little bit. Can I? Can I just? Can I disagree with myself as well tonight? If I well, want? the chances are you might, because I go, uh, this, this, and this, and you go, no, I don't agree with that. And I go, but that's what you said. You know what I mean? But, oh, yeah, that's fair. No, in that's fairness, fair. we done a show yesterday. Um, it was really good. Me, Shawnee, Emma, and Keith as normal on a Sunday night. And we got into all sorts. Mm. And we ended up with the whole ownership and whatever else. And we might get to that towards the end. I'm not going to give you my point of view again, because I've given it last night. And I'm sick fucking talking about it, to be honest with you. Anyway, um... This one, though, was a bit different because what we were talking about last night, what you come up with this morning was, Gav, I've listened to this this morning and there's some points that weren't brought up and I'd like to bring them up. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm going to do them as the order you gave me. We can discuss them. We can get stuff out of the chat and stuff like that and we can um, do it over an hour or so. But before we do, um, this show is brought to you by bookmakers.com. You can check out their website and their YouTube channel in the description. Um, check out their website. If you gamble, please gamble responsibly. But all the best offers for gambling and bookmakers and stuff is on there. Um, but as I said, gamble responsibly. If you don't gamble, it's probably somewhere you might want to go anyway because there's loads of comparisons and stats and stuff like that where you don't have to gamble at all. Um, I, I love looking her up for all different things anyway. But go and check it out, bookmakers.com. And if you subscribe to the YouTube channel, um, I think it's every Wednesday we're releasing the Premier League preview. Um, we join on and it's... Um, I'm having a lovely time doing it. Um, it's something different away from the tripper, so go and check them out. The charity stuff we'll talk about yeah. in a little, little while. So, Phil, the first thing was... I'm going ch- to check this out. What, I'm gonna, what's this? I'm going to check you out, Gav, because I'm going to... Bookmakers, I, I bookma- if you type in do. Bookmakers TV into YouTube, you will find their YouTube channel. Right. And I've done two Premier League previews so far. We're just looking. Myself, um, Jamie, who's a sports fan, and Liam, who's a United fan, and we just go through the games for the week on. And look forward to a few the week coming up, and it's half an hour, forty minutes. It's nice and easy. Do you do? Um, do you do what I used to do? What's that? So when I'd start to go on to a different show, or whatever, right. back in the day, right, uh-huh. I'd I'd make the complete opposite points to the ones I used to make in the no, trippers, just because no, like no. I'd, I'd say, no, you can't be. I used to get bored saying the same thing over and over again, and like because it was a different audience, I didn't have to play here. Because you know the way I, I just like to do it, right? Um, I suppose I'm setting it out at the very start, so it's, <laughs> you, you know where I'm coming from. With this. No, yeah, like, to be honest with you, on this one, points. on this one, it gives me the opportunity to talk football and not always Liverpool. Like last week, we didn't cover the Liverpool game because the North London derby was on, the Manchester derby was on, Everton were on the brink of being beaten by Southampton, and we'll be bringing that Alsatian dog out soon to rally the troops. And um. Deadly. Wolves, Wolves and West Ham was a big game at the bottom of the league. So it all depends what big games are coming up. Liverpool will figure this week because they play Chelsea at Anfield. But um, no, it's good. Check it out. Subscribe to it, and um, it's 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 a lot more easy going than here. 
and um, we are easy gone but it's this is more heated than you would find on on that channel but combat combat juggling hang on yeah hang on. ashley That's says uh, he's delighted phil's back he's uh, been wanting to ask him to cover combat juggling next time he covers the world game so there phil's phil literally wants to get off this podcast now and go and look up combat juggling because that's all he's interested in now is possible world games and um, participants, sports and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> but well, the, lads, if the lads want to know what I've been doing mainly in the last... Uh, Running. Whatever amount of months it's been. Well, one, I was over with um, El Tel. And they're celebrating his 80th birthday. I, 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 honest to God, Gav, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of sad that you didn't say here. Did you go to Terry Venable's birthday, right? And when you got there... <laughs> You were like, happy birthday, and he was like, well, it's not really my birthday. I'm just here pretending it's my birthday, but it actually is my birthday. Brian Robson was at. there trying to blow, Brian yeah. Robson was there trying to blow the candles. The candles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, John O'Wass, so, uh, is the war yeah, game so, still ongoing? No, the war game's finished days ago, but it will be back in three yeah, years. Is the, it? The, is the qualifiers, the qualifiers, the qualifiers are in the moment. Okay. Um, but there you go. Yeah. The war games was amazing. Phil had the time of his life. Um, what, when yeah. was it? During the summer? September? If people think this is, it was in, it was July in Alabama and Birmingham. It was yeah, fantastic. Birmingham, it was Alabama, great, yeah. great time. But to be fair, I have to say, um, I've just seen the new plans for Dublin's outdoor uh, swimming pool complex that they're planning to put in down at Spencer Dock there. Or the not Spencer Dock, at Georgia's Dock. Yeah, at the IFSC. Yeah. And um, that's ideally, is this the white that's raft Is this the territory. white water rafting place? They've got they've gotten rid of the white rafter water raft in place and decided to build a massive outdoor swimming pool complex in right. Dublin. Right. Now there's right. there's lots of issues so, with this. Anyone who doesn't live in Dublin, <laughs> we will get to the in a <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But like hypothermia is one, but like what what lads don't know, right? What lads don't know that, that are obviously not from Dublin here is at the moment there's a massive recycling plant in the middle of Dublin Bay, right? Um and when it floods here basically overspills all the um toilets and excrement and everything into dublin bay meaning the half of dublin bay is on swimmable right yeah so now they're planning to long, put an outdoor swimming pool in an area that tends to flood when it gets in <laughs> that'll be if you think there's bacterial infections knocking around yeah. at the moment collect your armbands and a tetanus injection before you go <laughs> and swimming. a, tetanus um, and a box of penicillin yeah the whole fucking walk <laughs> like, you know your, what i mean St. John yeah, Ambulance exactly. won't know what's hit them when this thing arrives. But exactly, yeah. anyway, I'm going to right, bring this to you in the order that you said it to me this morning, right? Yes. So the first right. point, the first point you made this morning to me was, a lot of people are claiming that FSG as owners, are, sorry, Maverick is asking what's transition. There's This is a clusterfuck of a season, basically a wasted season. What's transition? You're going to learn what we're talking about. It's not the transition in the, the playing side. It's, we're going to look more in the back, back room. Part of Liverpool, the hierarchy of Liverpool, Maverick, if that's okay. And thank God you've only had to ask me three times before I answered you. Um, but we were talking, on, and I think it was Shawnee saying last night, that the, the owners are constantly gambling on transfer windows and doing the bare minimum and, you know, and the luck maybe running out. And I think he has an argument to that. I think Liverpool have kind of, I said, sleepwalked their way into this with regards to the midfield situation. But you feel, and this wasn't you just being fucking edgy. You said, no. Gav, in my opinion, and it's out there, that it's Klopp that's gambled this. Now, do you, before I ask you about Klopp, do you think both of them are in on this? Or do you think Klopp is the sole reason for the gambling, as we'll put it, transfer window on transfer window? So this is layered, right? So, uh, And I said to you when I was doing this, that this isn't just a simple you're to blame and that's the end of it, right? But in this specific um, point that's being made, everyone keeps saying FSG gambled, FSG gambled, FSG has been gambling in the transfer window. It's like when the centre-backs got injured, FSG gambled that we could get Champions League and get through to the back end and then we'd sort it out in the summertime, right? This is Klopp. At the time this was going on, and, and, and this is what drove me mad about this idea, is that Klopp himself said that he wasn't prepared to sign someone just to sign someone. And he's said this over and over and over and over again. And the reason why our recruitment has been quite good up until up until recently, and we, um, we'll come into this soon now, but has been that he refuses to take a 80%, 70% of what we need or what he's identified, right? And he's gone to the lads in the recruitment 
teams that were there and said, find me three players, right? And then he seems to get fixated on one player out of those three that they get, right? Mm-hmm. Or in, in some instances, he's happy to say, well, actually, those two or three, in my opinion, are equal. So if we can get one of them, I'll be really happy about this, right? But this situation about gambling is, I wish, in a way, I wish we Alisson had never scored that goal against Burnley because that's West the Brom. biggest gamble they... You know, that, that's... Oh, West Brom, whatever. They're all the same. Um, but the... That was the biggest gamble we made as a club and it paid off. And it seemed to embolden to say, well, actually, we only need to solve one piece of the puzzle per window, right? Um, and that's more on Klopp as opposed to wholesale changes. The last wholesale change we made where we went right the way through the spine of the team was the year before we go in the Champions League where we go Alisson, we go Kayser, we go Fabinho. Um, and I can't remember who else we brought in at the time. But that, yeah, Van Dijk, they, they were the, the key signs we made from December through to the end of that window. And we changed the spine of the team. So when we're talking about change, that was the one time in Klopp's whole reign that he basically ripped out what was there or what wasn't there and put something in, right? So now we've got to a situation where he's emboldened by the fact that he gambled on the centre-back, got away with it, and was able to get the player he wanted, which is Kanate, into the squad, right? He got Van Dijk back and he has Matip, and Matip was playing really well. The, the medical team have held him together and fixed them all up, and he's getting his 26 games, and Van Dijk was getting his full 38 games, or whatever, out of the season. And we had Kanate coming in saying, well, if he's a little bit injury prone to start, once he gets up and running, he'll be grand for another 30 to 38 games that's there. But that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen in midfield. And, and as I said, this is layered, but. He's emboldened by the gamble and is prepared to take a gamble and wait for the player he wants, right? Wait for that player. And we see it with the Nunes signing. He clearly, in my mind, that was one that they were probably trying to organise. And the Diaz thing, they've said themselves, they weren't, that wasn't going to happen if they'd waited until the summer. They wanted to wait until the summer, but they were became aware of Tottenham Hotspur's interest and had to make a move at that point in time, right? So this is where I'm saying the manager on this one is not is to blame more so than FSG. Think about it. John Henry and Mike Gordon and the rest of them are sitting there are not, aren't not there with a massive opinion. <laughs> nah, gamble lads. Now you don't need to, you've got loads of players walk away there. Do you know what I mean? Like they, they are the ones that are, are, are governing or dictating this. They have their issues and, and I'm happy to talk about my issues with them as, as owners in terms of what that looks like. But in this instance, it's not FSG gambling, it's Klopp that's gambling. And it's the recruitment element that he's gambling with. And he's rolling those dice. And if things don't come up right, we deflect. We deflect all our energies away from Jurgen Klopp. We adore Jurgen Klopp as a fan base. And rightfully so because of what he did. But at times, we like to ignore his errors, mistakes, and sort of problems he has within his own management structure right that are inherent to the way he manages because you can't have all the good on his side without having weaknesses nobody has done weaknesses and this is an example of one of his weaknesses loyalty is another loyalty to players who have their, who, who pass by at a certain point in their career is another and that's been there since you got Dortmund that's not a Liverpool team that's a Dortmund thing as well sorry I, I, I won't keep going <coughs> no, well you see I'm not going to tell you you're wrong because I, the point I was making last night on the show was is that and, and, and I, I have to keep caveat and everything I say with please don't take this as a defence of FSG because I'll keep saying if FSG have to leave this club for Liverpool to progress fine no fucking problem right so let me just start by saying that because I get hounded by fucking people going oh you're this and you're that and I'm kind of going well you don't listen completely to what's being said I can't tell you you're wrong because the point I was making last night was Nothing really comes out, Phil. Right? Mm-hmm. Now and I'm not I'm I'm not asking I'm not asking for Jurgen Klopp to turn around in a press like he was asked again forty seconds into a press conference today. This the first question was about how were you feeling two days after that Brighton result and he went on. And then the second question was, You have a lot of faith in the cl- players were in this squad. Um do you f- when do you feel the time will come? And I'm ad libbing a little bit, when do you think the time will come when you'll have to look outside this squad, i.e. transfers to sort this problem out? And he just went is there something? Is there a language barrier here? I keep answering this every week, right? Now, one of my point was, I'm not asking for him to come out and go. Listen, I want fucking Joe Bellingham, this and this, and the the, man, the, the owners won't get me, right? And, and blow a fucking hole in the whole thing. I'm not asking them to do that. I'd actually a little bit of frustration somewhere towards what he has. 
I think will be okay. Because then we could we have something to walk off. Right now, you're sitting there and you feel that Klopp has done that. To an extent, I would agree with you. But at the same time, I look and go, well, when you look at the figures within the club and the, the financial figures, they they get in and they don't make huge profits and they don't make huge losses. They're, they run on this very even kilter, okay? And part of me is saying, yeah, but even if he wanted it, would he go and do it? Because it would bring them over a threshold that they have drawn in the sand for a long, long time, right? Klopp says today that, look, it's not about me asking for money and it's not there. If there was people out there that were available and someone we wanted and was available, yes, we would try bringing players in. But at this moment, is it the moment to do it right now? He can't see it. And, what he, and people blew up with that. What do you mean you can't see we don't need players? His whole point was, we don't see the player out there that's available that we can bring in. Now, a lot of fans out there would say, well, just bring him or him or him. We know that's not how they work, is it? And we absolutely need one. We absolutely need one, Phil. And come the end of January, I've no problem turning around going, listen, you might, it might be Klopp running that risk, it might be FSG, it might be both of them together, which I think it is, right? To a certain, in whatever percentage you want to throw at it. But I've no problem saying at the end of January, lads, you just fucking have to do something there. And you just haven't given yourself, you have to give yourself the best chance. And we're looking at that, it's not like there's a player out of farm field. This is, these just look players that are shot, right? And, but... We can, we can debate that because, I, I, and, and the reason why I say that, right, is, yes, they're shot, right? And I mean, but I don't think they're shot as in they're, they're done, right? I can't, because the Fabinho thing is the one that I keep coming back to. If it was just Henderson or Thiago, I'd say, yeah, these lads are well into their 30s, there's, there's an issue here, you know, it's just legs and etc. etc. But yeah, we're paying the ultimate price for having the season we had last year and not capitalising on, on the four trophies. And everyone was wondering, what, what's the impact? I think uh, there was a mention last night that the, the, the fall-off had happened before. And I remember when we talked about it, was they going, we were just about scraping the results from the end of March. We could get up for the big games. And by the time we got to that Real Madrid final, those legs were gone. And they were, they were gone at that point in time, right? So I come back to this again, Gav, right? That's the manager. That's the recruitment team. They knew this. They gambled that the squad and the players that they had in that squad will be able to re go again for the following season, will be able to get the energy levels, be fatigued, natural fatigue. And this comes on, I suppose this, this feeds into that second point I made to you about the whole recruitment team walking the notice period. Right? And sorry, this one last thing on it. Eunice says, yeah. was Arthur Mello the right player? And that's a great point because... If, if if the manager and the club are telling you it's the right player they need and, and you know and available and stuff like that now I was Arthur Mello available yes was he the right player for Liverpool I don't think so not I don't think he's a good, I don't think he's a bad player I think he's a really really good player but reliability is killing Liverpool and this fella is just not reliable okay um, and that's a good point because they go and sign him and you're kind of going the right player thing doesn't really wash here do you know what I mean like don't get me wrong if he turned around at the end of last summer and said look and he, he comes out and he says, look, I didn't think we needed a midfielder. A lot of people did. Maybe those people are probably right. And turned around and signed Enzo Fernandez or Moses Caicedo or Joe Bellingham. And he just went, bang, we're fucking doing it. Forget it. Well, you have to. You kind of go, yeah, you pay more heed to the whole right player available sort of thing. But the Arthur Mello thing throws it in there. And that's why I just love some smidgen of clarity. On it, but it brings you on to the second one because you've just said it there, and you're right. The departure of and, Michael and Edwards, the arrival of Julian Ward, yeah. he's now on. He's now on notice that he's leaving. The impact it's had in the recruitment, because these were a well-oiled machine that were given plenty of credit. They were building statues of Michael Edwards, you know, in jest. Yeah, but <coughs> that's the sort of word that was being no, no, used around them, and and now rightfully like, so, rightfully so, Gav. Gav, what everyone's given out about right. Um, and what's what's coming out more and more in the in the press at the moment is that Klopp has a much bigger say in transfers that's going on at the moment, right? And I'd argue we're into our worst run of transfers that we've made in terms of um, success in this whole Klopp reign. And I think it's been progressively getting worse since Edwards has made the decision to step away from the club. Um, and I think it's natural. We, we come on to but you've got the whole recruitment team there, and. I go back to the idea that last summer they knew that this team, including James Milner, 
had put in more games, more minutes on a pitch than any other team in Europe, right? And their answer to what this team needed, considering what we the way we're playing, the way we like to play, the answer to that was to bring in a centre forward to replace Sadio Mane in, in a different manner and try to transition to a different style of play. Okay. And that they believed that the midfield would be capable of going again for a full season, knowing full well that there was a World Cup on in the middle of all this, right? And if Jurgen Klopp is at the very top, that allows that, and we give him all the praise for all the trophies that we do and all the runs that we have, then he's also at the very top when you have to question the decision. If us as a fan base are looking at it saying, was probably going to be an issue at some point during the season, which had a World Cup in the middle of it that's never happened before. Then, you know, I come back to it. Where the joined up, the whole picture, the whole jigsaw started to unravel at the point that we had this gap or vacuum at the at the very top, which was Edwards and Klopp, right? So if you take them as, the, as a tandem, once Edwards decides to step away, I believe, I truly believe there's been a vacuum there and we were praising Ward for bringing in Diaz and, and, and Nunes. A lot of people but Ward, were, Ward um, works alongside Michael Edwards for the last year. Yeah. And and I've no issue with the Darwin Nunes thing because at the end of the day, you know, Firmino had a year left on his deal. You had Origi leaving the club, and Minamino leaving the club. You had um okay, Jota had the odd injury and it's it's come to pass there as well. So Darwin Nunes made sense. I think it was completely separate to what he should have done elsewhere. But is that part of the joined up thinking that wasn't there? I, I I just don't know. And it just seems to me when you start looking at the other changes that are happening behind the scenes, I keep going back to, we, we, there was a guy that was a very important guy who went, I think in May and um, just after, before, before after, it was the guy who was the head of elite. We were talking about it earlier on the mm-hmm. guy who was the head of the elite performance and recovery or something like that. He, but he went to Newcastle and I've had this thing in my head ever since the Saudi lads got into Newcastle that, I'd be amazed if at some point one of those big nation states don't go all out to bring in Edwards for what he did and what he was recognised as. Because remember, we were seen as this model of amazingness to, mm-hmm. to, to how to reform transfers, recruitment, identify young talent in different places and not really worry. Like You don't have to spend billions and billions and billions because you have this fantastically driven um, model that sits underneath and you get the right manager in and everyone works together and it's all a, a fantastic system that's in place right and this fellow's already at newcastle and i keep I, I just keep looking at it and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger i mean that we have these guys we had ward who was edward's right hand man resigns out of the blue right you have graham then who quickly follows who was the guy that was there for 10 years with edwards that was there and was heading up the the stats department and i'm not the doom and doom and gloomers that i've seen on, on there saying this is terrible it's a brain drain right but again it's an, a level of transition and i, I, and I suppose this was, was driving my key point around it the, everyone keeps talking about the transition of the pitch and the transition of the players and that we need to change this and we need to change that how many clubs can, can anyone in the chat and, and i'll put it out because i, I want to see because i couldn't think of one today can anyone in the chat think of when a club that was at the pinnacle at the very top of european football right pulled every part of its recruitment and sports directors and the cogs that were behind that got them to the top out right and said right we'll put something else in can anyone can anyone think of any <coughs> club that did it and did it successfully I can't think of one either. You know, you look at, um, you know, Barcelona changed presidents and there's a bit of, there's obviously a bit of shifting goes on there, but usually it stays as is and presidents just come in and put their own, own, own thing on it. If you go back, Chelsea have probably done it at some stage because Chelsea do stuff like this. You know what I mean? Um, to a certain extent. But, <clears throat> you know, I'm not too sure whether they were at the, right at their peak when they done it. But, you know, like, you have a good point you know Edwards says he's gone he's been there 10 years that's absolutely fine the word that came out at the time was he didn't want he wanted to get away from sport he wanted to go and do something else Julian Ward was going to shadow him more or less for the last year and then mm-hmm. take over but then we, we learn within within what a couple of months that Julian Ward is now on notice and he leave in May you know and, and it's even if you're trying to change what you're doing 
right? And I don't know the ins and outs of this, but I'm just trying to think as a layman. If you're trying to think what you're, or change what you're doing, you would say to yourself, right, well, listen, Julian Moore, or Michael Edwards might go, but we need Julian Moore in there, right? And we might want to change him, but he's just an extension of Michael Edwards. We might want to change that, but it's going to take two years to do that. Because we want to do this guy in six months and this guy in twelve months, but we need to keep a foundation of what's there. It's a bit like it's a bit like when you're changing the team on the pitch. You know, you might want to say to yourself, "I definitely want two midfielders," and those two, you know, they're getting on a bit, but we're gonna have to keep them. You know, whether that's a Milner and a Henderson, that you, I'm gonna have to keep them for a year to eighteen months, just while I get this right, and then that the natural progression then would they would leave the club and you would have you be in on a more solid base. It's a bit like the Canate sign. The Canate sign for me is a is a forward planning for, for me, definitely Matip, if not Van Dyke. You know, and in three, four years you're sitting here going, Canate is Air Van Dyke now. And we we brought something in the meantime. But it's a steady progression as to what you do. And I think that's where fan, fans get frustrated by it, Phil. And yes, it bleeds down and I think you're 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 very um you're well entitled to bring this forward because, you know, and there's some bits I'll agree and some bits I won't, but you have to have a steady progression. And if fans are getting frustrated because they're not seeing that, particularly in midfield, right? Now, I don't think one, two midfielders will fix everything in this in this team. I think you probably have to go back there and look at Klopp might, might need to make decisions quicker. This fella might need to, they need to, whatever recruitment they have, if they don't want it the way it was with Edwards, but they and it can't be the way they envisage it now. They have to find a middle ground there somewhere to make it right. You know, and maybe from the top it's bled down and that's where we're left with midfield, but it still comes back to me where you're sitting here going, see, I don't know if it's Klopp and I don't know if it's fucking FSG and I don't know if it's anyone in between, but it's a fair point and not a, maybe a fair assumption to say, well, all this, no, un- I, I, all this unrest within it can't help. No, I, I think it's, I, I think, sorry, I disagree there because, yes, it is Klopp. Yes, it is the recruitment team. And, yes, FSG are complicit because they should have, when they decided to resign, letting fellas work out the notes. Like, forget about that. Listen, whether you're selling the club or not, right, to have no structures in place when the new owners are coming in, for the new owners, that's great. But we're not talking about a car that had a lovely body and great wheels and all it was missing was the engine to go into it. Because so many times when these fellas come in and take over these clubs, they're taking over clubs that are really struggling and see an opportunity to bring value into this. This this is a sale at a, a peak level of the asset, right? And that to me, the complicitness here goes from the top part where we've got more control over transfers and we're doing this, but we still only want the right player. Well, how can you identify the right player when the rest of the lads are sitting there Googling uh, holiday in Thailand, uh, off to Ibiza next May? Um, what, what, what? Oh, yeah, hang on. I'm just downloading this one because when I go to Newcastle, I'm going to need a list of the lads that I need for centre midfield and all that type of stuff. This is crazy. There's not, a, there's not a sport in the world where if your recruitment team are moving on, that you let them see out the notice period and then when when you're trying to build or rebuild or transition or whatever you're trying to do in terms of replace players that's going on, because all the knowledge they're going to take with them, they have it. And then what why, what's their interest? What is their interest? If they're seeing what is their interest in getting the right setup into the club outside of some level of well, you know, they'll still be clued in until the day they go. You think about anyone that's there, right? You think about anyone that's there, anyone that moves jobs. At some point, mentally. You check out before you move. Correct, right? That's just natural. That's human. That's human nature. So I don't think having these guys here are helping in any way, shape, or form. And also, it goes back to the idea: if Klopp is such a stubborn man that he only wants the player that he wants, right? Okay, who's going to challenge him? Because Ward has resigned. Graham is gone. Edwards is gone. Who, where is the where is the the counterbalance to this idea that no this is the only fellow that works for me? Do you remember when we signed Salah? Klopp really wanted the German fellow. I Julian can't remember Brandt. what his name was. Yeah, right. Wanted Julian Brandt, and Edwards was saying, "No, look, this Salah fellow is absolutely amazing. Trust me on this, right?" And it, when he was like, "Right, we'll go with Salah," and look what look what happened, right? But that's because there was somebody in the club that was able to act as a counterbalance. 
when you have a yin, you have to have a yang. And it works in every form of life because you cannot have, there's no point in us sitting here and there's no point in any podcast existing. There's no point in any type of broadcast. There's no point in any type of life where you can't have this balancing argument. It doesn't have to be a fight. It doesn't have to be a row. It doesn't have, but there has to be a counterbalance. You have to look at, to weigh up the right option, you have to see all the bits that's going on, right? And for me, I'm looking at it saying, okay, here we go. Let's let's look at this as in, in totality. We're transitioning this whole inside of the club part. Where we're trying to transition on the pitch. This is this is ripe before a ball was even kicked. This was ripe for an absolute disaster of a season, right? And it's been heading that direction since unfortunately April time last year, when the players themselves, once you ran those players in, once those players got run to the ground, pursuing greatness and who doesn't want the team to pursue greatness? We want that team to pursue greatness every single season, right? Once that happens, and you have this vacuum that's going on across the very top part of the club that where the decisions are made that keeps this team ticking and keeps this thing on the tracks, then you don't even get out of the, train, uh, the station before it gets derailed. And that's what's happened this season. This has really happened before we even get on the top of anything else. He, right? makes, this is, he makes, like, when, I, when, when you're talking to me on vision and they're nearly like, you know, this fella switched off. You know, is Klopp trying to take more, more um, influence on what on how they come to that decision with regards to players? Are FSG quite happy sitting there going, if there's a bit of not sure about this, not sure about that, we're okay with that because it means that we don't have to sanction whatever, right? And you can make arguments around all that because I keep going back to it. We don't fuck all, right? We're just throwing things out there and seeing what happens. But I, I get, I get what you're saying with regards to the yin and the yang and the balance and, and stuff like that. And, you know, it's probably a bad... It is a bad move. Like, it's starting to look like one where you try move all these all these moving pieces and you try service them all at the one time. And, you know, has Klopp got frustrated with, I need this, I need that? Not with, with FSG, but with the recruitment team going, I need this and I need that. But this, like you said, this fella's over here looking on fucking Airbnb is in Munich because he's, you know, he's heading <laughs> off for a week, you know. And... Again, that could be absolute pie in the sky, but because we know nothing, it, it it's it's out there, you know. But do you think they're looking for a fix? Because that's where the whole ownership thing comes in, right? Now, you know, and I'm gonna throw it at you because honestly, you watch Liverpool and then you've literally that's it. You watch them and you know, um you don't really pay much attention after that. But you've had stuff around minority stakes majority stakes full sale no sale you know invest the mint the, the stake to come in that that's where you're going to get your investment to redo this and then you've had the arguments well these are leaving because there's going to be a new owner and they want their own men in but nobody's kind of there like where where are you on that because honestly phil the club is fairly watertight and what's set now, there's an awful lot of stuff online today saying that Michael Edwards has gone to his friends in the press and thrown a few bombs out there, and the press are running with them. I haven't seen them. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be. Um, I'm gonna be honest. I think they're talking about the. I think they're talking about the Miguel Delaney article. Right. It's out there this evening. It's, it's it's an interesting read because it's it sort of puts more into this that we're talking about where the, where there's this power vacuum now at the top where where things mm. are starting to creep up and potentially. This is where we're where the whole sort of he was he's been gradually getting more control over the transfers and sorry I did like see that. one mention of the Miguel Miguel Delaney thing it was someone messaged me earlier and said Miguel is saying this this and this has known it since six months ago but it's just decided to tell us in January so um but I will have to go and read it in fairness I'm not a big fan of Miguel Delaney but I will go and read it um unless it's behind mm -hmm. the paywall which I fucking definitely won't um but. <laughs> You know, I'll I'll, I'll give him. I'll, I'll read it without making massive comments on it. But do you think there's a fix, Phil? Because no, that's the wrong question. That is a fix. There's always a fix to everything. But where do you think the outlook is here? Because our FSG looking going, we're selling this. You know, it'll be gone in six months. It doesn't make a difference what we do in January. It'll be gone in six months. We're going to get our money anyway. The talk is there's offers on the table. Qatar was thrown around. But do you think they're working on a fix? Do you think? There's been a bit of a power grab from different people here, and we're just this is what we've ended up with. Because if it, like he makes a massive point of thanking Julian Ward after Cody Gakbo was signed, you know he, the first thing he says is big shout out to Julian Ward and, and um, for getting this done and putting so much work in and it's brilliant and and I'm kind of going is he trying to 
be nice to him? Is he kind of done the dirt somewhere on Julian Ward and he's just trying to be nice before he leaves? Where where do you think this goes? Red Steve was just asking, where's the green white cover going? It's right here, look. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's not green anymore. Looks like you might have damp in the room or something. No, this was in the in the studio for years, so okay. it's it's now sort of it's got patches. It's it's more of a Norwich my cover than it is. John, John, ask Gabby, don't like Irish man Miguel Delaney. Um, I, I wouldn't. I, I've kind of clashed him a few times, um, in <laughs> chats on social media, and some of his stuff I read, I kind of go it's a bit bizarre, you know. Um, but some of his stuff is really good. Like, don't get me wrong. So I, I'd rather read the article before I, I make any comment on the article. Um, it was just someone sent me a message earlier saying, "Yeah, he's known all this stuff six months, but he's only telling you now." It's it's a bit mad, but um, let's but go on. Let's, let's take this fix. Let's take this fix in stages, right? Because I think there's I think there's a bit like that. This isn't just you know, it, it's not just signing two midfielders and everything get, and the world gets better, okay? Because it doesn't, and we know that. Klopp's methods and his, his methodologies in terms of how he plays the midfield is probably the hardest place for you to go in straight away and make an impact because of the way he wants the team to play and how he sets the team up and, and all that type of stuff right so um let's take the force bit how do we get through to the end of the season on the on the pitch forget mm-hmm. the everything else right mm-hmm. and for me the answer it goes back to that disaster season when Allison scores right, where we end up finishing tour yeah that to me the answer goes back to this and only when the injuries piled up sufficiently did we get to the right answer right and i'm hoping that Klopp can get to the right answer without needing injuries to get him there okay and the answer here is not to keep flogging the lads who are banjaxed right you you can use one of those three but do you know who you flog you throw in the kids you put in Keith said this last night. Keith, oh, no, 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 Keith's I, point I, to this, I was Keith's point to this down. Way, yeah, because his point to this last night was, you know, it's not working. Teams are identifying that we're lacking in energy, right? May not, may not, you know, maybe Elliot doesn't walk in a tree man midfield, but he might walk if you put two behind him and put him in a ten, you know, and it might yeah. reduce his responsibilities and, and you know, that's good, like, but I know where you're going with this. Just get legs in the team, regardless of what it is. It's it's not just legs, Gav. It's going back to the idea. So, 2021, had injuries not happened, Henderson and Fabinho would have played at centre-back for the remainder of the season, right, until the injuries start to clear up at centre-back, right? But mm-hmm. he, they don't, right? We signed the Greek fella who was awful in the end, right? Remember him, right? And he um, he played against Leicester and fell over and then sort of scored an Algon and all that type of stuff. No, no, hold on. Who, who are you talking about? The Greek fella. Kabak? Yeah, whatever. He's not Greek. Him. Yeah, well, he is. No, he's not. <laughs> You're thinking of the fella that's played for us in 2010. Um, no, I'm thinking the hair. fella that we thought no, do you know, I keep getting confused with Kabak. And do you remember your man, Pastaspas, Pastaspas, that blah, 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 that turned up at a Fulham game and we thought we were going to sign him and then we didn't sign him. Do you remember that one? Oh, yes. Yes. Um, and he, he ended up signing with Arsenal at one stage. Oh, yeah, no, he was at Arsenal and we were thinking we were going to take him. Yeah, I remember yeah. him. Yeah, yeah go yeah. on, go on. No, on. no, no, this was, he was, sorry, forget that, right? Um, but in my mind, right, so stop playing and this is uh, this is going to light things up, right? But stop playing Keita. Keita, Keita is, is, is talent, but look, stop playing. There's no point. You're not going to offer him a new contract. He's I would go right. against you on that. I, I, I get why you'd go against me. I don't care. Um, I, We could have an argument, but I'm not. Because I, and the reason why it is, he doesn't have the he doesn't have the stomach for the fight. He's a good time guy Um, in terms of when things are going wrong. He's, he's a great player to have on the pitch. When things are going wrong, he's, he'll just turn off. right? So for me, that's where that's where I think I don't see the value in it. But... If we put Bajetic, we have Curtis Jones, we have these kids, okay, who can give you the hunger. You talk about legs, not just legs, it's the hunger as well to become part of this next generation, of next evolution of the Liverpool team. And I do agree with the, with changing the formation of it. I think we should. I think I think we, we, we have the right players 
to do a 4-2-3-1. And I, interestingly, I'd put Salah as the one at the very top. And we've seen him play through the centre before, mm-hmm. right? But it, it still allows you to have that tactical flexibility of the three mm-hmm. lads behind them being any combination of Gakpo, Elliot, Carvalho, whoever's available, that you don't mend them down to specific positions as such. They can all rotate and Salah can drop out and still have players going. And it just gives you that bit that's going on. And then the two in midfield, you get somebody with the with the tactical mouse that you need to, to play with one of the younger fellas. And this is the whole idea is that this generates the freshness. You don't need to sign someone. You just generate, what you're doing is regenerating that buzz within the squad itself. You're putting your arms around the kids that have been coming on with you and with the with the League Cup sides and all this type of stuff and saying, you can do this. This is the opportunity. This is how Trent got into our team. This is how Nat Phillips has managed to stay at the club for the amount of times he is and keep putting the things there and bring them in and bring them and bring them and bring them and bring them through in terms of what's there. And potentially even start looking at different things. Maybe we go three at the back. If you have Matip and you have um you have Kanate and you have Van Dyke when he comes back, maybe you just switch maybe just throw a tactical bomb in there every now and then to just, just get other teams thinking about how we're setting up because everyone thinks there's gonna be the four there and the two four backs are gonna push and we're gonna do this. But maybe you just go differently and you put your two lads that are playing essentially as wing backs, really as wing backs, and you just start doing this, just create questions in the other team's minds. And who does that go back to again at the end of the day? It goes back to the manager to make those decisions, but make them make them proactively as opposed to make them reactively. And we're almost in a reactive period, but I I couldn't agree with you more about doing something different because my biggest frustration of this season, it's frustrated me. The the this transfer window has frustrated me because I feel we need someone. I think we we need to win the last transfer window and we didn't do it. Bar Mello, who's played 13 minutes. Um, we we could we should do something in this window. I don't care how we do it. We should do it. But we ha- I don't know if we will, right? But my biggest frustration, my biggest frustration is turning up every week and doing the same thing and expecting different results, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. like, you know, if... If you, like if you keep going and doing the same thing, especially when you have an opponent that can see you doing the same thing, they're going to just go, "Well, he's going to do that. I'm just going to do this, and then I'm going to beat him." You know the sort of way, in right down to fucking drafts or chess or tiddlywinks. Do you know what I mean? They're all going to do yeah. it in football. They're just going to go. They've nothing in the midfield. We're just going to let them come onto us a slight bit, and we're going to get it into midfield as quick as we can, and then we can cause havoc. That's exactly what Brighton done the other day. Um. I couldn't. So even, then, I couldn't. I couldn't agree with Jamar, right? But I people think when you want to change things, you want to write off players completely for the rest of the season, i.e., a no. a Keita or a Henderson or a Fabinho. I'm not saying write them off for the season. What I'm saying is, is that put more trust in other players in a more significant way. And what I, you know, like if you said to me, right, they're not going to play four two, they're not going to play four three three. They're going to play four two three one, and what they're going to do is they're going to stick Salah up front, right? And they're going to put Darwin Nunes on the left, and they're going to put Gakpo in in the ten, and they're going to put Elliot up, you know, in that tree um, ahead, and they're going to put Thiago and Fabinho or Thiago and Bacetich or anything like that. But they're going to what they're going to basically say is to Fabinho, Henderson, who look like they're out on their feet, right? They're going to say to them, "You are not playing three games in a week." You're going to play on Saturday, right? And you're not playing during the week. I don't care who are fucking playing. You are not playing. You're, you, can, you, might get, you might play the following weekend. But if this young fella comes in and does well, he's going to fucking play. And I think an element of it is players are too comfortable, right? And they need that kick somewhere. Now, I think the biggest kick they could get is someone coming in where they go, oh, fucking hold on. This isn't only about me, me being in the team this season. I could be fucking gone at the end of the season if... If a switch goes at management or board level, where we're going, we're we're ruthless. These are out. This, this is over. We, you know, this is we're going to go and do things that have never been seen in Klopp's tenure. But we need to change what we're doing. You know, if Liverpool turn up against Chelsea on Saturday morning, Saturday well half twelve Saturday, and the lineup comes out and you go, well, okay, the back four, the back four. But Jesus, he's he's playing. It looks like he's playing Thiago and. And Bacetich here. And Elliot could be there. I think Salah might be. It's different. Um, not only is it different for us, like you said, it makes other teams think. But the scope mm-hmm. then to change it around as you play. Right? There's no problem with Henderson coming on for half an hour. Or Fabinho. Or Oxlade-Chamberlain. But these players 
look either out on their feet or disinterested and you're still playing them in the same system every week and you're just turning up going we know what's going to happen here like Brighton I, you knew what was going to happen they were going to turn up they were going to probably try to be a bit more solid but they couldn't help themselves in going and trying to press in some mm-hmm. way Brighton then they got eaten alive and they were eating well, alive Gav, the, the, the other side of this is is it also it just infuses that enthusiasm throughout the fan base that's something and I, I don't even it shouldn't even be a reaction to the fan base and you should never make decisions based on a fan base because you won't be in a job for too long look at frank lampard but like the, in reality though right given the la given the, the guys in the stands something to shout about something to cheer on and something to have hope at the mo- at this moment in time the reason why fans are really struggling with this and, and it gets to me because i lived through i've lived through our great periods in the 80s and then i lived through Absolute 1991 shite. 1991 to 2016 right and like let's be honest about it the good times were few and far between in that whole period i mean proper good times what we've seen under club and looking at this now it's very different because th- th- this is the first time we have have to question and, and it didn't happen in the 80s we never had the opportunity in the 90s but this is this is now the first time where a great manager in the modern era of football which is 24 7 and non-stop in terms of fans and have never existed before has to go and rebuild from almost from a base that that that's similar to what it was but i think it's an artificial base and this is where i go back to i think the fatigue element from last season is so underplayed it's it gets mentioned and it gets a passing nod and again but i i i genuinely think that people have underestimated the impact of f- that fatigue and i'm not talking about physical tourism but, but, but who, the actual who, mental but, but, but phil who underestimated it the most the people are all oh, the information this is what i'm saying have underestimated i'm going back to it again like yeah, I, like, I keep going back to this again. Come here. Every if, time, but, but at me, the end of last season, at the end of last season, Phil, we have two trophies. We're a kick of a ball either way away from a quadruple, right? Whether you like it or not, that's what we were. It was fucking brilliant, right? And we all lived in the moment. And you were like you were saying, you could see it in March and you could see it in April, and probably you probably could. I probably could, but I went fuck it. Who cares? We're having a fucking great time here. Just go with it. You exactly. can't do anything about it anyway. You're in the middle of April. You can't sign anyone. You can't do anything. Just go with it, right? But. And, and when it came, like, saying all summer on this channel, all summer, you need a midfielder. You definitely need a fucking midfielder. And part of me would say, he's fucking saying he doesn't. You know, and he has it all in front of him. He has all the analytics in front of him. They're in the red zone. The fucking things attached to them all the time. They're sticking things in their fucking ear when they turn up at the access centre straight after pre-season. You know, when they're starting pre-season. They have everything in front of them, all the information. And it still didn't happen. It still didn't happen. So... Do you see this as a massive... Forget the ownership, right? I'm not going into the ownership tonight, right? Because we do it every fucking night of the week, right? But do you see this low point as a massive watershed? Because, and, I'll, and the reason I'm going to ask you is because if we continue on the way we're going, Liverpool will finish between 7th and 10th in the league this season. That's my opinion, right? If we change it, bring Jumpers in, Ben Doak might get a load of games, and all right, he's only a fucking kid. But if we change it, we add more energy to it and maybe change the system and try to get Salah in front of goal more and Nunes is a huge player for us he's missed chances but I think he's a huge player the threat he has alone I think affects other teams right but you never know where we'll end up we could try it and end up 7th we could try it and end up 10th we could try it and end up 3rd we don't know but is this a massive time now because Phil as we sit here right we have the ownership thing we have Klopp who only has 3 seasons after this one right you have the recruitment. You have the Edward slash Julian Wardroll. There's so much in the air at the moment. Is it going to take where they turn around? They come together. And I said the players and managers have to come together last thing. But where the people that are still there or will be still there following the end of the season have to get together and go, listen, this is what we have to do. This is how it has to be done. And so be it. Because there's no point in just trudging along here. Let's just make it a fucking big decision and a big change and whether that includes a sale of the club this is what we're going to have to go for look 
every moment in micro sense looks like a watershed moment. Every defeat feels like the world is collapsing on top of you, right? Every time that the team doesn't achieve what we expected to achieve. And by the way, top four for me is, is always the baseline for when Klopp was there. So if we don't achieve it, whether it's once it's, it's a failure, it's an absolute abject failure of a season, no matter what happens, right? But in terms of what they gave us last season, if I'd said to you last season, I think I might have said it on the podcast at one stage last season, if we go all the way and do everything, but we don't win the league, but we end up finishing seventh or eighth next season, would you still do it? And everyone, to a man, to an absolute person, bar some lunatics that don't deserve um, any air, um, but would say yes. What, because, what was the what was the ultimatum? What was the? So we we do what we did last season, right? But you finished tenth this season. There isn't a single person who's a Liverpool fan. Oh, so you're done. saying like if you go out of last season, you don't know what the results are of the league and the European Cup, but we finished tenth. Yeah, of course you do. Yeah, because yeah. look at the end of the day, if teams exist, but we all live in the moment. Phil. To... We all live in the moment. So last year, last year, There's... you know, last season, I just, I'm like that. I just, you're on a roll, and you're like, who fucking cares? Just keep playing football, and we see where we end up. Disappointed, yeah. And this season. There's disappointment, there's frustration, there's frustration at loads of different things. But at the end of it, I do kind of look and go, like, I, I see Arsenal fans now declaring that the Liverpool-Man City rivalry era is over, you know, because of 15 or 16 league games, I'm kind of going, mm, we'll see about that. But I, I do have this outlook where I know in my head what I'd like to see happen. I'm not sure it will all happen, but I know sure. come the start of next season, I'll be back on it going... Yeah, come on. You know, okay. start away. Uh, let, let, let me put it like this, right? We are closer to a cataclysmic, disastrous summer than we are to the dawning of a new age, right? And whether people like this or not, they can they can, they can, can accept, not accept, they can live with the hope that's there, and I hope to do, because that's what fans are meant to do. But the reality is, even if Jesus took over the club tomorrow, right, and uses God's infinite powers of, of 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 wealth, right? Because he can just invent whatever money he needs, and he's God, right? Um, without having without having the right people in the right places in the recruitment side, will mean you will still have significant gaps when it comes to the recruitments that you need to make over the course of the summer. And if our manager is so determined. To only bring in exact players as opposed to players, right? Then nothing gets resolved. You might get one or two players or three players in in the summertime, but does that does that give us the fundamental change that we need to get back to challenge the league? No, because again, by the time we get out at the end of next season, I think next season, regardless, they didn't buy a single player. I think next season will be a significantly better season than this season will be. But by the time they get out, those players that will come back from the fatigue, come back from the tiredness, come back from everything that goes on, right, will be another year older. Henderson will be 24. Fabinho will be 31. Thiago will be 47. Milner will be 53, right? You just get to... You, just, but you get to that point where age does impact these performances and age is impacting the people that are there at this moment in time but the, the changes that are needed are so big at this point right and it's not just players it's the whole structure within the club it's it, it sort of says to me that it's more likely that a full sale will happen and then what happens after that full sale is actually more important than any single player that we buy in the summer window if that makes sense, mm. right? Because if, if, if the sale doesn't happen before April or May and we have these recruitment you're gaps... Definitely, I, think, still, I think you're definitely going to hear something on this, I would say, within the next month. That's what, I, that's what I feel on it. I feel that you're going to hear something because as soon as this January transfer window ends, it's going to be what is going on in the summer. And more and more people are going to ask that question. So I think you're going to see something. Whether it's FSG tell you, no, we're selling 35% of the club, or whether we're selling 40 or 60 or the whole lot, or none at all, or whatever it might be. 
or our finance. You know, not you don't know what it's going to be. But I think you'll hear some. I think you might hear some in the next month to six weeks. That's just my opinion on it, and I think it'll all be timed around the end of that transfer window. So, and, and I come back to unless the, unless whoever's coming in has a a plug and play in terms of whoever's guiding them or guiding the people or encouraging the people to take over and knows and, and I've already set it up. So if you look at what Manchester City did when when the when the lads went in there from from Eddie had or whatever I can't remember what the places Abu Dhabi went in, they literally said right, we're taking all the Barcelona people and we're putting them straight into Manchester City. That's that's essentially what they did, right? Mm-hmm. They brought Tiki Bigerstein, all the lads they could get, robbed the fella out of our academy, put them in and said, right, there you go, plug and play, right? So to me that's the only logic that when I'm looking at this I'm looking at this and saying to myself, okay, the only way this works and resolves itself is if you get plug and play. Otherwise, my worry is the vacuum that we start to experience now becomes entrenched and doesn't help Klopp and we go down a significantly more difficult route to get back to the top, right? And I'll just put it there. I've I've said along this and I've put a, a large proportion of the blame here on Jurgen Klopp tonight, right? And... I am arguably one of the biggest club fans and I'm saying here now, I do not want any other manager or anybody else to be given the opportunity to write this ship. But every single person here tonight, if this continues on for another two or three seasons, everyone will be saying the club area was fantastic, but it's time that we time that we changed. Right. And that's just football, it's cyclical. And you know, when I look at Jurgen Klopp, the season he took out or the, the time he took out from the time he was at Dortmund to when he came he even changed his own philosophies and came with a fresher idea of how he wanted to play his style of football at, at Liverpool when he got here. It wasn't the same as what he had at Dortmund. It was a different. It was a different version of what he had there. And sometimes, uh, go back. Uh, rest is as good as, a, as whatever the, the saying is, right? But I just hope that he is given the opportunity to do this, and that he has the right counterbalances in place to enable him to do it, so that he can realise the su- continued success he's had for the last seven to eight years at the club and get us back there. It's mm. it's 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 count- such a big task. The counterbalance remains to be seen what it is, whether that's people that are brought in to replace the likes of Julian Ward and Ian Graham and whoever, um, or new owners that come in and go, listen, you, what you say goes. Because they, they whoever comes in, um, whoever comes in is going to have a colossal <coughs> amount of money. We know this, you know what I mean, and um, because you're not like you're just not making money out of Liverpool Football Club in this stage on. You're not buying a club for four billion quid and making money on it unless there's a there's a Super League down the road where you're getting three hundred million a year to play in it, and then your asset really goes up. But as things stand, you're not making money on Liverpool because you would have to take in what you take in. You'd have to put more money on top, and in order to do that, you would be spending your own money every year to fund mm-hmm. Liverpool. So I, I suppose the 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 balancing act or the yin and yang as you t- touched on earlier is is either going to be them all getting together and they probably have we don't know and said right we're going to have to bring in this person this person this person in these three positions okay these three positions we're going to have to bring these people in to work aside, alongside Jurgen Klopp who's, who's absolutely behind it and we're going to do that by the end of this season we're going to start fresh or somebody comes in and says don't worry about all that money's not an object what you say goes and you go ahead and you make the decisions on it. Um couple of things coming coming out. Aunt Dicko says Paul Joyce has reported Liverpool um do want Jude Bellingham and um Toys Nunes of Wolves. Uh Eunice is very make one. Hmm? Who? Matthews Rose. Who? Yeah, man off Wolves, Matthews Rose. No, Matthias <laughs> Nunes. Um, yeah, Matthias is really excited by Eunice is really excited. But but look, I, I think it's I think it's be really interesting because we do look on the pitch an awful lot. We do look at just Klopp and we look at um, FSG. And in fairness, we've covered what you've spoken about a little bit over the last while with people leaving and what does it mean and stuff like that. But to, to sit down tonight and talk about it, I think it's been really really good. Um, is there anything else before we go, Phil? Anything you'd like to speak about? Because anything like you talk about any sport you've noticed? Um, no, I'm, I'm firmly entrenched at the moment in the American Showball, so it's it's it's, mm. uh, it's go joints season. Go joints! You're you're having a great year. This is like well, you're having the Arsenal I, I, year. I, I, of, I deserve of... it because three years ago 
you and Dicko told me to pick the New York Giants because they'll become good, they'll be great, and they were fucking putrid for two seasons. And now they just turned up and they're having a great year. But Shawnee tells me they won't go any further than the divisional game that they've made their way into last night. Yeah, listen, all I'm saying is that they've surprised people so far and fair play to them. And it's mm. been great to watch. The, yeah. the, the reason why they, I, I love it is because I could I sat down on Saturday night and Sunday night. I had phenomenal nights for you in terms of what was going on. It's just crazy excitement and it was all it was fantastic. Mm. It was just fantastic. And Ray was up this morning at four o'clock in the morning texting me getting really excited. I could hear him scream from his house at the excitement when, when yeah. the Bengals won. Yeah. And I was like, there you go, that's great. So yeah. it was just, it's just phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. Any other sports, I've been mainly watching, an awful lot, watching an awful lot of cyclocross and yeah. uh, running around mountains an awful lot. Like I've been yeah. running around mountains an awful lot because I have a race in 11 weeks time. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's back, to the, back to the drawing board again. I've been, trying so, to get and play, I've been trying to get out and play golf, but the weather's just, it's either wet or fucking frozen. So um, hopefully, <laughs> At some stage, the golf will be back. I've been interested. Well, me, me, and, me and Steve O'Daly are out training together. So, it's, uh, yes. it's, for what? Yeah, yeah. Well, Steve was coming to do one of these races with me in uh, the back he? end of the year. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That'll be, can we go mm-hmm. much? Well, uh, it's can, but it'll be, it's far away. But what's far away? It's in Kerry. Oh, that'd be a great out trip. We got an old van. You know, like a minivan. We go down, no seats in the back. We all just go in the back of it. We have a load of drink. Now you have to get a light ice, a proper light ice. Go back to <coughs> yeah, mid nineties high ice. Um, or yeah, yeah, maybe perfect. a van with his Isuzu written down the side of it. Do you remember the Isuzu vans? Mm. One of them be cool. Look at my ruined coloured one. I think it'd be great. Um, I had letters uh, and numbers on it. Um, uh, Gomby and Hunter says you're Irish a bit of cold should do nothing no it's nothing to do with that I go out and play in anything it's that the courses are closed and um, they're closed yeah, because the of the excessive rain and then once it's frosty you don't open golf courses because it ruins them um, there you go uh, but um, well done for you and Steve I'll do on that we might I might round up the lads and have a day out and watch that um, might yeah I'm, I'm trying to go and playing golf and um, yeah rest of the week Tomorrow the lads will be on full time Reds after Liverpool away to Wolves in the Cup replay. Thursday should be. I just want to say well done to Kev and Chris for doing that throughout the course of the season because I know how difficult yeah. that type of stuff is. Um, it's that's horrible. Well, it was horrible on Saturday, like... but they got through it. They done really well. Um, I was actually, uh, Chris and Matt, I think it wasn't at the weekend. But um, it's like doing it's like doing a circumcision, but only one bit a week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, taking a peeler to yourself just to see, yeah. just to see what can happen. Yeah, we're a rusty blade <laughs> in a bottle of vinegar. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, Thursday should be the viewers' voice. Friday, the Premier League forecast. Saturday will be um, full time Reds early enough because we play Chelsea at half twelve. Sunday will be the fat back four. Um, loads of people really liking the show tonight. Uh, John says top show. Um, a good few people have just gone on my screen and says thanks for a great show you're more than welcome hit the like button on your yeah. way out subscribe if you haven't already and I'll say it again bookmakers.com check out their website check out the YouTube channel they're both in the show description but as well as that our charity push for cancer um, breast cancer research um, the GoFundMe is out there check out the link in the description if you can donate brilliant if you can't take the link send it around your friends your family your colleagues um, if you need we have a poster there, an A4 poster if you want it. We can send it to you. You print it off and there's a little QR code in it. So if it's in the canteen and work or on desks or wherever it might be, people just walk up, scan it with their phone, straight in and they can donate. So we want to get to 20,000 for 12 women that are running the Dublin Marathon together. Um, they're training right now. They've literally been out tonight because my wife goes with them and um, it's fucking freezing out tonight. It was lashing. Out last the- so um, yeah, if you can support them, absolutely. Um, go and support them. It's a brilliant, brilliant. It's a ridiculous yeah. attempt. Twelve people to run. One person running a marathon. Fuck me. But twelve pushing each other. Um, sorry, I said I, I said twelve because it was eleven. There's actually twelve now. Yeah. There's actually twelve. Um, and for all of them to push each other, they've not many of them have ran marathons. By the way, one of them I know has never ran one. One of them finished their first ever half marathon about six months ago. So, just if you can donate, please do. Please share it. It's a brilliant cause that. Um, cancer, this sort of cancer touches so many people. Well, um, so my missus, my missus ran the Dublin City Marathon last year, and mm. it's the second time she ran it. And I know how much dedication and effort goes into it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so for all women that are doing it, it's, it's so worth supporting because like the, you give up massive amount of time, particularly as you get closer to it at, at that stage. Mm-hmm. And I know how much that level of training, they, is, especially for people who aren't used to it, mm-hmm. the impact it has on their body and, and stuff like that. But from a mental side, it's, it's a phenomenal thing. And it's a phenomenal achievement to do when they cross the line at the end. It doesn't matter how long it takes them to get there. When, no, when and, and the fact that there's 12 of them Phenomenal achievement. The fact that 12 of them and they're all making sure they're all going to finish it. They're all making sure they're out training. They all, like, there's definitely nights where, you know, um, one girl might want to go or I'm fucking tired or I was walking. Mm-hmm. So to get them out and they're making sure like every night they've trained they're all out doing it. No matter how tired they are or whatever or what the weather's like they're all going to do it. So I think it's a very, very worthy cause. Not only for them to show them you're supporting them by donating but the money that'll go towards them um, Breast cancer research is huge. That has been the midweek fix of a Monday. Um, as I said, there's loads of content coming throughout the week. We're trying our best to clip up these shows a little bit and throw them out on social media for people to get an idea of the show. So if you see them, share them around as well. And maybe if you're watching this show and you or you're listening and um, you come across the clip, you might go, oh yeah, I forgot he said that. Because that happens all the time. I forget that I, the lad said it and I'm fucking doing the clips about a half an hour later. So um, go and check them out as well. That's it. Talk to you in a bit. Over and out. Podcast Network.